So we have been working our way through some of the chapters in Proverbs. And we are going to do Proverbs chapter number 16 this week. Just some highlights in Proverbs chapter 16. Uh, some random verses we like to go through and just pick them out. All of the chapters we have been working through uh, this later half of the summer here are ones that they are not necessarily strung together. Once in a while you get two or three verses strung together. But a lot of times it's one verse talks about one thing. The very next verse is something totally different. And I think that's true about the way life is, is your life is a whole series of events and not everything is strung together. Seems like there's a lot of different things you hit every day in life, things you need advice for, things that you need to know where God uh, stands on things. So it's good to start with those things. Good to look at Proverbs, um, which of course mostly came from Solomon. So, At my house, it is wood season. Everyone loves wood season. No. <laughs> uh, it's great exercise, right? And we need to heat our house with it. And so we almost exclusively heat our house with wood. Um, and it takes a lot of effort. It's a great big house. We burn a lot of wood every year. And we cut and split it. And there is uh, a great difficulty struggling with my family because it's a whole thing as a family. We all do it together. Uh, Dad goes out and cuts the trees down, does the things we need to oftentimes, but when it comes to, I cut them up, uh, when it comes to splitting and stacking and moving it, uh, everybody pitches in. That's what we do as a family. And we are trying uh, to teach some lessons that come with wood. And there are those things, there's something, there's hard sheer force that you have to use and bending and twisting and all those things. Those are difficulty, but there's something harder than that that the people struggle with in my family. There's pinched fingers and bruised feet where people drop a chunk of wood on somebody else's foot. Okay, and we've all been guilty of that. But there's harder things than that. You see, the biggest battle with wood is the internal struggle of wanting to do it. Okay? <laughs> that is the biggest battle that we fight from the moment we say, it's time to do wood, till the last stick goes down in there. And then, of course, a little bit afterwards is the complaining and the struggling inside just to do it. And that is oftentimes, I think, as human beings, there are so many physical things we do in this world, but our biggest battle is inside us. Once you've made up your mind to do something, it's almost done. But it's the making up of your mind and the struggling, struggling with, I don't really want to do this, or... I don't really want to uh, act this way, or I don't really, I'm not willing to go and do these things. That is the biggest struggle we have as humans. Wood is just a microcosm in our family of the very same thing that we have as all of humans. We, 
we struggle with wanting to do things. So we're going to go to chapter 16 of Proverbs where we're going to look first at the first three verses. And these three verses talk about internal struggles, where we should go. Verse number one of chapter 16. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So what we struggle with is willingness to do something. Now, you may be perfectly willing to stack a piece of wood, but you may not necessarily be perfectly willing to talk to somebody that you should in a nice and kind way. Or you may not be willing to get along with somebody. All right? You may not be willing to do something without complaint. Those are those things that are all inside of us. That's the battle we have as humans. We battle these things. All right? And so what it says, first of all, is the preparations of the heart in uh, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. If you want to do something without anger, without judging someone else, without an air of superiority, if you want to do something without complaint, then you need to go to God for it. God can prepare us to do that. God can prepare our hearts. He can make us willing. And there have been often times in my life that I have found that I am not a willing participant in my heart. I just don't want to. And my prayer has been to God, I don't want to do this. Please make me willing. Because something in me is holding me back. I don't come to God with perfect intentions. Most of the time I come to him with poor intentions and I don't even see him, my problems. God has to point out my problems. God has to show me where my uh, poor intentions are. And God has to help me be willing. And then he has to do it inside of me. He's the one to do all, to do all the work. I don't even have a willingness so my prayer often is, help me to be willing, just to be willing to do something. I'm willing to change is about all I can say, but I'm not promised it's going to be easy for me, God, okay? <laughs> and I'm not promising I'm going to do it quick, but I'm willing for you to work. And so oftentimes it says, the heart in man is a preparation from the God, as is the tongue. The answer of the tongue. And our words often come out sharply. They come out negatively. They come out in an angry way. And God says, I've got to work in those things. Yeah. As we get pushed, we find that's what we find. As we don't have the ability to do it. All of the internal righteousness we ever could get would come directly from God and not from deep within us anywhere. 
just doesn't it just isn't there all the ways are man and all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes but the lord weighs the spirits and that's just to understand that we think we're doing pretty good we we assign ourselves the very best motives we assign ourselves the very best direction and we say we're we're doing a good job you don't know how hard it is to be me but we assign everyone else the worst motive and god says no 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 let me weigh what you're thinking let me weigh your thoughts let me weigh your spirit and see, oh, no, you're coming up short. And so we go to God. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And so that's the only thing we can do when we have a bad attitude and an unwilling attitude. We learn, we go to God, and we learn. Man, I really messed this up. We have a song we sing, by God's word at last my sin I'd learned. And then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul, imploring or begging, turned to Calvary. That's the only option we have. If you won't go to God, then you won't have a committed way to him. And he will not establish your way. He is going to take your thoughts and make them established, making them firm and steady. Not full of anxiety, but firm. You don't know all the answers, but you can trust that he's there. And that's what you need, is steadiness. God brings that inside first. He does all that work. That was verse 1, 2, and 3. Now let's go to verse number 9. Verse number 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Years ago, I went away to Montana, and I was 20, around 20 years old. And when you're 20, you hope to go away and never come back. (laughs) And it was my hope, somewhere secretly down inside, Uh, I wanted to find somewhere else, something else that I could do on my own. And while I was out in Montana, I had a man uh, who I had been corresponding with a little bit. He was a pastor, a friend, very steady, wonderful guy. He'd been at a church in Pennsylvania for over a decade. And I had been corresponding back and forth with him, very wise man good man, and we set up a thing that I was going to go and be a youth leader and assistant pastor in Pennsylvania. I had it all set. We had been back and forth. We set up dates and details and everything we needed to do, and he was corresponding back and forth, and I had about two weeks before I was going to leave Montana and head home, grab my clothes, and leave. He wrote me a letter. And after over a decade in that church, he said, God has been doing something very strange here. So I read on and on, and it turned out that after a decade of being there, God 
had moved in that church and there were some different interesting people that had kind of a battle and a fight. And they pushed that man out after a decade. He was gone. Now he was a man, he was, he had been felt like he was called to go to a different spot and that was all within about two week time period between our letters. God had a change and I had all the ideas, I was all set. I was going to go, I was going to do it, and it was all set where I was going to head. And God says, you're not. You may think you have it all planned out, but I know better. And so God brought me back here. <laughs> and, there were, and there was a little swallowing of the pride that always has to come with going back home, right? And that's okay, because God's plan was better. So you might think you have all the plans figured out of where you're going, but understand God takes your steps, and God knows much better. God directs your steps, and that is such an important thing. God directs your steps. Regardless of the way you think you've got it in control. Verse number 16 how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? There's one simple thing, I think. Wisdom and understanding in this life to learn to live right, to learn to serve and to love in your relationships, to raise your own kids, to live with long-term purpose in your life to have eternal purpose in your life. Those are things that, to me, if you're going to put a weight and a value on something in life, your family, your relationship with them, God, your relationship with him, the rest is just fluff. Whether you have a big home and a lot of money, it really can't buy you any satisfaction. Right? Just the relationship with those people around you and the relationship with your God. Everything else is circumstantial. And everything else can go away or come back in spades. It could be huge. You see a lot of Hollywood stars out there that do not have wisdom or understanding, but they've got a lot of gold and a lot of silver. I wouldn't trade my life for any one of those for $100 million. Because they just don't have what's important. They don't have what's important, and that's what is hard sometimes to think as we look, oh, that person has something else. Man, I wish I had this. I'm struggling with this. I wish it wasn't this way in my life. I wish there was something to make it a little easier. But that in and of itself oftentimes is how we learn. And God knows every need we have, and he fills every need. Maybe not always the way we want to, but he fills it. Everything we need, he fills and so to have wisdom is so much more valuable than just money, silver or gold. 
Verse number 18, as we keep uh, skipping our way through these things. Verse number 18, everybody's favorite here. Pride goeth before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. How many have ever said that to their kids, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so it is one of the most unattractive qualities in a person to have a person that is prideful. The one, a person that thinks super high of themselves. They have a high opinion of oneself. If pride goes unchecked for a long time in life, there'll be some sort of fall. If pride continues to go unchecked, it is simply this. It's one of those natural consequences is there's going to be destruction in that person's life. If you choose to live a prideful way, and it's subtle, pride is so subtle, pride is sneaky, gets into every one of our hearts in many ways. Oftentimes, we can even think we're proud for not being proud. We can become, have pride about not being a proud one, right? <laughs> right? It's so sneaky. It's so sneaky and so subtle that it took one of God's greatest creations and Lucifer and made him fall. Pride was that thing that made, made Lucifer fall. So pride goes before destruction. <clears throat> I remember seeing this, hearing a story about this one guy. He had gone with bricks. And he uh, was a convicted felon, and he would go in, and he would smash the front windows of these stores and steal things. And he took just a big brick or whatever he could find. He had a concrete block, throw it through the window and smash the window. Well, one time, I guess the store owners got a little smarter than he did because he came and threw it with all his might. And he, well, they had put plexiglass in there. And it bounced right back and it whacked him in the head. That's maybe what you call a natural consequence, right? Pride has that. God put that in there. He said, you want to live with pride? Go ahead. You'll get knocked down. And you want to continue to live with pride, it will take you out. That's what pride brings. Pride goeth before destruction. Verse number 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. So I've had an opportunity in the last 20 years in my jobs to hire a lot of people. Just been my task, and I've interviewed lots of people, and I used to spend hours sometimes with people that I was looking at possibly coming in. Sometimes I had them for two or three hours Drilling them with questions. And I thought I had done pretty well a lot of times picking people. But often what I found over the years is that situations or circumstances brought in 
my pride and I hired for the wrong reason because I had a situation and I didn't want to be told what to do, so I hired somebody else. Every time I did that, it hurt me. It hurt the group more than just me. And it took a long time to take that person back out of the staff eventually and heal that staff if it ever did. So one thing I ended up learning from that situation, and I do this now, uh, I try every single time to pray before I'm going to have an interview. I pray that God will bring the right person in and that we'll have the right words to say and that other people on that hiring committee with me will be led by him. So I'm trying to listen not just to what I got going on inside of my head, but to something else that God might be doing. And I have found, like the verse says, he that handles a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. I found that the more I've done that where I just give it to God, who was it? Ron Papil used to say, put it in the oven, set it and forget it, right? He had that infomercial. Well, that's what you need to do is be able to say, put in God's hands, make sure you give it to him, and then forget it. Don't battle with it. Let God do the work, and you'll find that if you can give that trust over to God, that you become happy with it. You're satisfied. When you learn to trust God, and it's not that the circumstances changed, but he gave you the ability to have wisdom in things when you can hand things over. So that's what it says. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. So if you've learned to have wisdom, when wisdom becomes whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Wisdom comes from trusting in God. That's as simple as it is. Verse number 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb and sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words. Pleasant words. They're like honey. They're sweet and healthy. We have seen often how words can take us down. Now here we're learning about how words can build up. Learning to speak in a kind and respectful way is not weak. It's wise. Learning to speak in a pleasant way, an encouraging way, will help people. Truthful, thoughtful words, not just truth, but thoughtful words, using them carefully in a person's life is talent. It has to grow over time. Some people use, uh, use words to build people up, and it will bring growth and healing to other people. Now, not using kind words 
and choosing not to live that way and just using sharp words and saying, well, I'm telling them the truth. Right? There's no caring in there. There's no good approach in there. It often comes back, well, if they don't like it, too bad. That doesn't help. That's not growing. And what the Bible says is if you're going to use good, kind, pleasant words, you will heal people. You will help people. And if you choose to use sharp words and have no care about them, then you tear people down. That's just the truth. That's what the Bible says. We skip along to verse number 28, and we go to the opposite side of that story. Verse number 28, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Froward means stubbornly contrary or disobedient. Maybe some of you have had a child that could be like that. Stubbornly contrary or disobedient. Maybe some of you were a child like that. Everything's a fight. Everything's a battle. Every word you say is going to be the opposite. If you choose to live your life like that, you bring strife, separation, division. And if you choose to live your life, and it says if you secretly whisper things, he who whispers things, If you choose to live your life whispering about other people, which means, I know this about them. That's gossip. That's what that is, right? If you choose to say things about other people, even if you know it's true, you tear people down. You destroy relationships. Be careful to build relationships up. Use your words in pleasant ways. Some of us battle with this deeply. Don't even think about it. Use them in pleasant ways. You will have much better results. Those two kind of went together, so we're going to skip back to verse number 25. There's a way that seemeth right to the man, unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Any way, no matter how convinced of a good plan that you have, any way or plan you would think would come out with that right outcome, if you've planned it out and you've put all your effort into it and you've put all your brain power into it and you say, this is how it's going to work. If you've lived life for any length of time, you've found out you cannot predict how things will go. You cannot predict what's going to happen in your life. You cannot predict when I do this that someone else is going to react a certain way. And so what we need to learn is that when we're convinced in our own mind, I've got it all set, stop. Step back a step because maybe you're not on the right track. Oftentimes, when we're on a track and we just don't want to give it up, that might be a clue 
or there might be more that we're listening to, like pride or arrogance or something that we're trying to fight against something else, regardless of what God says. And he says, you, it seems like when you get on that trail, you're, you're going. And they're like a bloodhound on a trail, and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going until I'm done. I'm going to find my way to the end. And God says, wait a minute, there's a way. You think it's right. You've convinced yourself it's right, and it's easy to do. Be careful, because it doesn't always end up how you think it should. Go to God, and you get a better response. Now, we'll skip along to verse number 20, or 32. 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth in his spirit than he that taketh a city. I grew up that Vikings and were the strong people. And you go out, you want to be a warrior, and you want to do those things, and it says there's something much more powerful than being a warrior. And the much more powerful thing is being able to control yourself. Control your anger and control just yourself. Your words, your spirit. To have self-control is the most powerful thing you can do to disarm other people. I've had people get up in my face about things, and if you cannot react in a negative way, but come back and just say, I hope I can help you with this. Something kind and calm. No cutting meaning behind it. Just try to come back without anger. Now, oftentimes we let things boil over in just a minute. Things happen. It doesn't say you can never get angry. But our problem is we let little things get us. The littlest, stupidest things in life. Something that somebody said to us. We hang on to it for a long time. Something that somebody does. Cuts us off in a car. I remember one time I was with a service guy in a van, and it was around Christmas time. And there was a, we watched as one car pulled right up in front. And I was, uh, I was singing Christmas carols at the time with the guy in the van. It was kind of a thing. And he cut, the one other guy cut right up in front of this other guy, and there was honking and jamming on the brakes. And the guy looked at me and says, I bet you he's not singing Christmas carols in there. <laughs> Because we oftentimes let stupid little things get us. It isn't even like anything happened. Didn't even smash his car. But I bet you he had a bad rest of the day because he was determined because he got cheated. Somebody did something to him. We let our anger get us. We let our anger get us. So we find if we can have self-control and patience... All of the things, all of the times I've ever lost my patience with my family, I have never gained anything out of those situations. Most of the time I've had to apologize. Every time I've ever been angry with them are the times where I have to go back and say, 
I'm sorry for what I did. Shouldn't have done that. But every time I've been able to hold and be patient when my buttons are being pressed is the times where God works. It's pretty simple. It's difficult, but it's simple. And let's finish up with verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Casting the lot into the lap. We kind of use some of those, part of those phrases. Casting lots basically just means that you are doing something with chance. We'll say rolling a dice, a set of dice or something like that. And, And we use that word, still that phrase to say something fell into your lap. Just by chance, this sort of just fell right in front of you. We seem to think that there's a lot of chance and randomness in this life. But that's not what God thinks at all. We seem to think, well, how did this happen to me? It's one in a million chance that this could happen to me. And why did it happen to me? It's not fair that it happened to me. But understand that no matter what you are in, that God has been setting up steps in order. And it says that in that verse, it says, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Now, we don't use the word disposing like that very often, but basically what that means is God is setting all the steps in order, and he has been for a long time. He has been putting things in order. There are no mistakes. There are hard times. There are tragic situations. There are times where I want to say to God, why did this happen? I have no answer. I have no good reason. I want to know why this happened. I want to know why you let this happen. And oftentimes, what I can get back is this, is that the answer is that God is good, and he has put all the steps in order, and he has a plan and a purpose, nothing by accident. So when I have no answer, all I can learn to do is turn to him and say, you're in control. Or I could turn to something else. I could turn to another substance and say, well, you're in control now of my life. That's my choice. I either turn to God or I turn to something else. I let something else run my life or I go to God and say, I don't understand it and I don't like it and I don't want to be here. But you've set every step in order in my life and I'm willing to walk, and I'm willing to learn. Whatever it is, I'm willing to do it. The hardest moments in life, you take them day by day with God, even moment by moment with God sometimes, because you have no answer. You just know that God is good, and that he is in control. And you let things teach you to trust in God. That's all you have sometimes. And that's, to me, great wisdom 
When the lot is cast, you say, well, it's all by chance. No, it's not by chance. God, even if you rolled the dice, God knew the, the way it would go from the beginning to the end to learn to trust in him. And that's what he wants, step by step with him. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you.